Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right, everybody, welcome in to the Big Ten Show. As you know, I am Adam Carriker, and I'm joined today by Barrett Sally of CBS Sports and Sirius XF. How you doing, my friend? I'm good. Little tired still from Monday night, uh, but it, what a great semifinal day, and uh, looking forward to what should be an, an incredible national championship game. Now, let's be honest. At the end of the holidays, do you feel refreshed? Do you feel like you've had a vacation, <laughs> especially covering college football? There's there's really maybe Christmas Day, Christmas Eve. There's really no off season, no off time, which is not a bad thing, by the way. But is it kind of one of those things where you need a vacation from your so-called vacation after the holidays? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it just seems like there's one thing after another, whether it be bowl game or Christmas, which I, I like to cook on Christmas. Um, you know, and then New Year's, I never really go out on New Year's. Usually I'm at the the semifinal or the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. This obviously uh, was the 30th this year, so I actually did something for New Year's Eve, and then bam, right back. I've got two kids, uh, and they started school yesterday uh, on Wednesday. So it's like, you know, one thing after the other. So yeah, when when the national championship game ends, it's like you get the chance to sort of decompress a little bit, especially without the, uh, the the February signing day being a big thing anymore. It's like, okay, calm down. Let's see if we can get a vacation in or, you know, go somewhere for MLK Day or something. But, uh, yeah, pretty exhausting that the end of the season is like the culmination of four months of not sleeping. And finally, we'll get to sleep in a, in a week or two. Now, for those watching, to be clear, we love our jobs. I know I do. I know I love my job. Yes. I assume Barrett does. And I'm certainly yes. not going to complain about stuff to talk about. Personally, I was up in Steamboat. I'm watching college football. Then I'm talking about it. Then I'm watching college football. Then I'm skiing and trying not to kill myself. And I'm trying to make sure <laughs> my kids aren't falling down 50 times. And then watching college football talk. It's a great life. We can help you with your fields. Go to jacobsonseed.com. Now, there's a whole bunch of things to talk about. All right, I actually want to start off with bowl games. Should they even be around anymore? What are your thoughts on this? Okay, and I'm just going to read, okay? You probably saw this, heard about this, but we haven't had a chance to talk about this here on this fine program just yet. Kirk Herbstreit, who is a bowl game junkie, okay? Mm -hmm. He said, and I quote, I think the 12-team playoff is going to create a lot of buzz, Herbstreit said. I'm a college uh, football fan or basketball fan, but can anyone here tell me about the NIT? How is that going for you? Do you know who's even in the NIT? That's where bowl games are going next year. I think you eliminate the bowls. Nobody wants to play in them. Don't play bowls. Just have 12 teams. We'll get excited about those. And if you want to add five or six bowl games outside of that, then do five or six. But we're getting to a point where it's ridiculous. We're putting six <laughs> and six and sometimes five and seven. That's me, not him. Six and six teams in bowl games that nobody cares about. Players don't want to play in them. Hell with it. Don't have bowl games. End quote. What are your thoughts on that? I love Herbie. He's a good friend of mine, but he's completely wrong here. Um, you know, I think comparing it to the NIT um, is a little bit uh, misguided because the NIT doesn't draw eyeballs, right? Bowl games do. And people like to talk about the lack of attendance. And, and I don't really care about lack of attendance. These things are TV shows. And they rate higher than a lot of NBA games. And a lot of it is because of gambling. It was that way before. It's going to be that way even more moving forward. But, you know, people like to watch football. Football's fun. College football players, and you know this better than anybody, generally speaking, like to play the sport of football. I mean, it's crazy, right? Um, but, you know, I think one thing that has happened over the last couple of years, yeah, you have more opt-outs. And I get that. And in case of Malik Murphy at, at Texas, you have to transfer before the national semifinal because it is your only shot or at least your most responsible decision in terms of your future. And look, I get that. But one thing 
after COVID, the last couple of years, the bowl game does not count towards the redshirt rule. You can play a fifth game and still redshirt as long as it's in the bowl game. And that's perfectly fine to me because getting those practices with a, a roster that is a little bit of a skeleton roster allows you to get some of these younger guys more work and actually get them more reps in a bowl game. And that's awesome. To me, that's basically a spring uh, practice session on steroids. And then you actually get to play in a game that is more meaningful than a spring game, obviously, but not as meaningful as as an actual football game trying to win a conference championship or anything like that. So, uh, you know, I'm fine with it. Uh, and, And by and large, a lot of these players want to win bowl games. It matters to them. I mean, go back and look at the Tennessee game. Those players were just thrilled about what happened. Western Kentucky bout in the, in the famous Toastery Bowl. That game mattered. D- d- ask them. It, it absolutely mattered. So I'm fine with bowl games. You know, college football's fun. Football is fun. You know, and I think from a development standpoint, you know, coaches learn a lot from them. Now, a lot of coaches now recently, with everything that's been going on, don't get involved in the game plan as much because they actually miss practice because they're out recruiting, whether transfer portal or high school kids. So it's just a different sort of world now, but I'm totally fine with bowl games. So for me, I think football itself, the violent nature, which is being toned down for obvious reasons. Some of mm-hmm. it's for the facade of player safety and it's a facade. Okay. Cause <laughs> I don't believe that it's real. I don't think they actually care genuinely. It's, it's a business ploy is what it is. But I think one advantage that football has is every game's like an event. You only yep. play once a week. It's not 162 baseball games. It's not 82 basketball games. And then four to six weeks of playoffs like the NBA does. Every game is such a big deal. My concern is that when you have 42 bowl games plus a national championship game, which is 43 this year, and then you add in college football playoff games and you add in everything else, you start to dilute that. So I don't know that I completely get rid of bowl games. I do understand what you're saying. I understand what Herbie's saying. I'm somewhere in the middle. I would have less. When we started to go to six and six teams get in, and then we're going to make exceptions for five and seven, as long as you're academically qualifying or whatever. I never looked into the rules because I didn't care. I didn't, I didn't watch the Minnesota game this year, the one five and seven team that got in. I actually picked Bowling Green to win, and then I got that wrong. But my point is this. Let's keep them, but just keep like – in my opinion, you have to win eight games to be in if you're a power five team and there's really only two major conferences going forward no disrespect big 12 and what's left of the acc in the next couple years and if you're a non-power five team you got to win nine games and so maybe you have okay instead of 42 bowl games plus the cfp playoffs maybe you've got 16 or 17 bowl games 15 bowl games and so then the bowl games actually matter i think the what would make a bigger difference is getting and finding a way to have a Jaden Daniels in the bowl game, to have your top tier players in the bowl game. When Florida State has 20 guys opt out and then it's 63 to three. Okay, that's challenging for me as a consumer. Okay, I'm sitting there in Steamboat playing Settlers of Catan with my family (laughs) and the game's on somewhere in the right corner of my eye because in a blink of an eye, it was 35 to nothing Georgia and I couldn't care less anymore. So there could be a way to incentivize players to play by revenue sharing, okay? I'm also of the mindset you're not honoring your contract. Like if I'm an NFL player and we're out of the playoffs, I can't just no show week 16 and 17. The only way I'm getting out of it is if I've got an injury. Okay. And you're not honoring your contract. So why are these players not getting fined? Is that just me? So what if let's just say you're a starting quarterback. I'm just going to pull a number out of thin air. Let's say through the revenue sharing, you would have made 75 grand if you played in the citrus bowl. Okay. Yes. Let's say if you don't play, you get fined the same amount that you would have gotten paid. So now it's a $150,000 swing to play in one game. I would have to think that would have motivated me to play in a bowl game a whole lot more. 
I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Because to me, it's about I want to keep football games. I want to make them matter. I want to keep them an event. I don't want it to be 162 baseball games in a year. And then I want to find a way to get the big name players to play in these games. What are your thoughts on all that? I like the idea 100%. I, I think it's a great idea. Incentivize them in some way, shape, or form to play. Uh, and I think you would see a guy like Jaden Daniels maybe a perfect example, right? Because from the NFL draft perspective, he's behind Drake May and whoever else, Caleb and, and Penix and everybody. So if he gets paid 75 grand and plays well and maybe um, you know ups his draft stock a little bit, then yeah, great. He gets a bonus. I think that's wonderful. I don't know about execution, though. Uh, that would be very hard because in theory – these teams are not playing, paying these players. Obviously, that's not reality, but it is. That's that's the way it, this system is set up right now. So, I'd love to know from an execution standpoint how that would really work. Um, but I think you also, if you shorten the bowl season, you would take opportunities away from a lot of players. We saw multiple players in these lower tier bowl games absolutely blow up. And a lot of them hadn't taken many snaps at all this year. We saw it in the Myrtle Beach Bowl. We saw it in the Toastery Bowl. We saw it in the Minnesota game. So you are taking away chances of some of these guys upping their status in the transfer portal too. But as far as incentivizing good players with money, you would get fewer opt-outs. But I still think you would get, you know, some significant players you know, still make the decision and fine. That's, you know, that's just the way things are these days. So finding a way to do that is great. I think in, in, this sort of climate when we don't really know how things are going to work moving forward anyway, it would be very hard to actually make that reality next year. I think you would have to wait for some more dominoes to fall before implementing something like that. Yeah, I th dude, we could talk for hours on this. I think there's parameters <laughs> that need to be brought in when it comes to the transfer portal. I think the offseason yes. schedule needs to be changed differently. 100%. I don't know how I don't know how college coaches survive the month of December. Especially if you're in a bowl game with a transfer portal, early national signing day, which is really national signing day. How do they even survive? Plus, you got the holidays and Christmas, and somebody's got to buy those presents. Probably yeah. the wife. Mine, mine definitely buys. My wife does. Mine. <laughs> yeah, my wife goes, "Hey, do you like this? Yes, looks great." Sure. And then we move on about our day. But there's so many things we could talk about because there's just the wild west in college football, yeah. and there needs to be parameters. And and it's not fair really, to anybody. It's not yeah. fair to anybody. Yeah, we're really paying players. It's under the gauze of NIL and all this other stuff. But let's talk about the national title game. Okay, Michigan, Washington. All right, in your opinion, what does Michigan have to do to win this game? And if they win the national title, is it tainted due to sign-stealing <laughs> gate and all that? Well, I think the one thing they need to do is something that Alabama clearly did not do, especially in the first half, and that is protect Michael Penix. You know, I think Michael Penix, he can win if he doesn't have a running game really all that much. He did it last week, right? You know, Texas kind of took away Dylan Johnson, except in the red zone. Then obviously Dylan Johnson got hurt at the end, but um, you know, they've got to get to Michael Penix, not necessarily make him uh, put him off his mark because we saw, we've seen him consistently all season work his way through the pocket, dip his shoulder a little bit and still find one of those NFL receivers deep downfield. He's really, really good at that. So the pressure that Michigan brings actually has, has to get home. Um, because I think in, in, in what they excel with, that's been their MO all year long defensively. And it's worked. You know, a guy like Michael Barrett was an absolute monster last weekend or last week, I should say, last Monday in the semifinal. Those guys have been awesome, but they have to get home. They can't just get pressure. Uh, so I think that is is job number one, um, you know, for, for that entire defensive staff. I think is it tainted? <sighs> 
Yeah, I guess, you know, I think the the casual sports fan will be upset about it. And even though J.J. McCarthy tried to rationalize it this week and say that 80% of teams steal signs, well, yeah, they do. I You know, I know multiple people who their whole job is to steal signs. I remember the Florida State-Auburn National Championship game. I asked Jimbo Fisher about uh, him worrying about Damian Craig stealing signs. And sure enough, first quarter, and Jimbo didn't care, first quarter, first half, Damian Craig's flat-billed hat right there looking directly at the offensive signals and getting every single play. Not coincidentally, Auburn went into halftime up 20-3 to or whatever it was. Uh, but that's okay, stealing signs in the normal way. That's why pitchers don't just yell out this, the pitch to, to the opposing player. What Michigan did was like operation uh, operate like a spy, you know, spy system. That's mm-hmm. a little bit much. And so, yeah, because of that, because it has become so, so, um, so, so of note and, and so sort of known around the country, even to, to college, to, to non-college football zealots, even to the casual sports fan. Yeah. I think it will be tainted a little bit. I agree with you. I do think it'll be tainted. I, I, I think either way, Michigan, I, I'm, I've, I've said all year, Washington's underrated. People are underrating Washington because yes. They don't have quite the name brand recognition in the Pac-12 during the season as an Oregon, even though they've won national titles in the past. They shared it in 91 with Miami, Don James, great head coach. But they don't have quite the recognition of an Oregon or a USC. And then when they were playing sure. Texas, I'm like, people are falling in love with the great Texas team, but a brand of Texas <laughs> right, over exactly. brand of Washington. Washington played in the toughest conference in the, in the country this year, and they went undefeated. And I know they've won 10 games by one score or less. There was also about a two, three-game stretch in there where Michael Penix was so sick he couldn't even be around his teammates, and they still found a way to win those games. Yeah. When you go undefeated in the toughest conference in America, um, and I, I picked them to beat Texas, but I, I readily admitted I was not uber confident. They were Same. the better team. They were the better team. Clearly, they just – a weird injury clock time stoppage rule, a little bit of mismanagement, maybe just take a knee. I don't know. Did we learn from Miami at all earlier this year? And just do little <laughs> things like that. And there, there's not even a doubt. So I do think it'll be tainted a little bit when it comes to Michigan if they win. But when Tom Brady got on Instagram, what did he have? Like 5 million followers within three weeks or something like that. Yeah. At the, and you think about Spygate and all that other stuff, Deflategate. At the end of the day, they're going to be the national champs. And it's probably the best team Michigan has ever had, in my opinion. I think they were going to win it. I mean, Washington might win on Monday. I'm predicting Michigan. Again, not by a wide margin. But I think they were, in my mind, favored to win it the whole year either way, either them or Georgia in my mind. But some people are just going to view it differently. But I think this is the best team Michigan's ever had at that university. And that's saying something for a program with, what, 1,003 wins in their history, the most in all of college football history. So I have a lot of respect for what Jim Harbaugh's done for that program. Yeah, and even if it is tainted by by casual fans, I mean, do people look at Florida State in 2013 differently now, or do they just forget that the whole Jameis Winston thing happened that that fall? You know, people forget about that. Same yep. thing with Auburn and Cam Newton in, in 2010. Does USC's uh, title in 2004, um, you know, resonate? Yeah, it still does. Now, people remember the Reggie Bush thing, which is just absolutely silly. Looking back at the way some of these players are getting paid right now. Yep. But, you know, that kind of goes away after a while. There will be people that are in uproar for the entire offseason and maybe into next season. But, you know, at the end of the day, people kind of lose sight of that. And they just recognize the national champion as the national champion, even if it came with a little controversy. I, I still think of Reggie Bush as the Heisman winner. I know he's the Heisman He should get it back. From him. He should. I still see him as the Heisman winner. So a little bit of uh, statistical breakdown here. 
All right, for me, it's when Washington's offense is on the field and Michigan's defense is on the field. That's what I'm going to be excited to watch the most. All right, you got the number one pass offense in the country in Washington, averaging 350 pass yards a game, the top-ranked uh, passing quarterback in the country, Michael Penix Jr., 4,648 pass yards this year. Bo Nix is number two from Oregon, if anyone was curious. The 10th-ranked scoring offense, which was actually lower than I thought they would be, Okay, but 37.6 points per game for the Huskies and the number 11 team passing efficiency offense in the country. Michigan's defense, number one in scoring defense, number one in total defense, number two in pass yards allowed, Ohio State was number one, number three in pass efficiency defense, Notre Dame, I did not expect that, was number one, Ohio State, number two. So what's interesting to me, my three keys for Michigan and Washington are this, and I, I disagree with you just a smidge when it comes to Washington. I think you've got to run the ball and stay a little bit balanced. Otherwise, this will turn into the 96 Fiesta Bowl with the fun and gun, Danny Werfel, but Nebraska knew they were going to throw it. And 62-24, yeah. to 24, no, you got to keep them balanced. And actually, the Huskies passed the ball 39 times and ran it 31. They were more balanced than I thought they would be against Texas in that CFP game. Just keep the balance. That's all I'm saying. Obviously, the game's on Phoenix shoulders, and that's where you want it. you got to win the turnover battle. They're going to have to take advantage of every opportunity that they can get when it comes to the Huskies. And most importantly, and I wrote X Factor, Michael Penix Jr., do your thing. He is the X Factor in this game. When it comes to Michigan, my God, can you just do a little bit better on special teams? I mean, Oh, my goodness. They were clearly, I don't want to say clearly, in the first half they were clearly the better team. Alabama made some adjustments. They had some success on the ground. But outside of special teams, they were really the better team noticeably on Monday, I thought. Yet, Alabama almost found a way to win. Number two, be who you are. Control that line of scrimmage. The team that wins the trenches, and Washington did much better in the trenches. Zero sacks, zero tackles for loss they allowed against that great Texas front four defense. They're much better than I thought they would be, even than I thought they would be. But Michigan, if they win in the trenches, that's going to be huge. And number three, and this takes me back to the Giants and Tom Brady. Not once, but twice in the Super Bowl. And I played with a couple of guys. Barry Cofield came to D.C. and played with me who are on those Giants teams. If you blitz Tom Brady, he will slice and dissect you. He gets rid of it too quick. When I watched Michael Penix Jr. against Texas, he gets rid of it so fast. His pocket awareness is so good. Mm -hmm. And he can run when he chooses to. When yep. you had the injuries that he's had, I get it. But he can run. You, I think they've got to be able to get pressure with their front four. Because that's how the Giants affected Brady in those Super Bowls. And the way I saw Phoenix play all year, and especially against a great Texas defense, front four on defense in the CFP, they got to get pressure on them with the front four Michigan does. Because I think if they have to blitz to get to them, I think oh, they're done. Problem. Yep. Yeah, they're done. You mentioned Penix on the ground, and that's so interesting because they did design some more runs in the semifinal. We didn't see that all year. And immediately it reminded me of the Georgia-Ohio State plus semifinal last year when CJ Stroud suddenly became a little bit more of a factor on the ground. I think he had like 40 yards on that last drive before Ohio State missed the field goal. And it's like, okay, how do you develop a changeup, right? And I think Mich or, uh, Washington, I should say, developed that changeup uh, going into the Texas game, and that certainly helped. And then I, I wonder, you mentioned balance uh, with, uh, with, with Washington. I don't necessarily think it has to be run to pass. I think it has to be tailback to wide receiver because we did not see them throw to running backs basically all season. I think Dylan Johnson had like 13 receptions during the regular season in the Pac-12 championship game included. And 
I, I think if you, you know, maybe it's not him, right? Maybe it's Tybo Rogers uh, because if Dylan's hurt, you don't want to get him as many snaps. But if you can't run against Michigan, and look, it's Michigan, that might not happen. How do you develop that changeup? Well, you go Mike Leach a little bit. You use your running backs as receivers out of the backfield. I think there are multiple ways to sort of provide that balance. And and so yeah, and I think Michigan in terms of special teams, even one mistake and you're done. Because Alabama was so was so inept offensively, and you're right that that halftime that Michigan Alabama game felt like Michigan was up three touchdowns. And you look at the score, you're like, "Holy hell, how did yep. that happen?" Um, <laughs> yep. You know, and, and if, if Washington's not going to be that way, if you if you have one special teams blunder, you're pretty much done if you're Michigan. I completely agree with you. All right, who do you got winning the game? What's your score prediction? Who's your victor? I got Washington. Uh, I think they're going to win straight up. I uh, just absolutely uh, styles make fights, and I think this style is much different than what Alabama did. It's basically the, the basically the complete opposite. So I'm going to go Washington. I'm going to say they win 30 to 27 in what will be, I think, one of the classic not just college football playoff national championship games, but maybe one of the one of the most impactful and one of the most exciting bowl games in our generation. This, in my opinion, depending on how the national title game plays out, this could be the most exciting CFP we've ever had All right, yes. in, the, in the 10-year history since 2014. Man, I, I've i been pounding the Washington drum, band drum, <laughs> all year as much as anybody I know, because I don't know hardly anybody who's been beating that drum, so it's easy for me to say. That being said, it, it's going to come down to, to, to Michael Penix. It's going to come down. He is. He's the X factor. If you can't get to him with four, you're in trouble. If you try to blitz, I just don't think that's going to work with sure. him, especially if they design some runs, if they're trying to protect the running back because he's going to be banged up in a one-game vacuum. Hey, Michael, you got to run a little bit more. We're playing for the national title. Cool, coach. I can sure. do that for one game. So that makes me nervous. I think what I come down to is Michigan has the advantage in the trenches. And, and football is a game, to me, I, I realize how important the quarterbacks are. I think games are won and lost in the trenches, okay? Also, I'm always going to favor when it comes to winning championships, not necessarily putting butts in the seats. I'm always going to favor the team with the better defense. I think it's going to be a great game. I think it's going to be right up there with the Fiesta Bowl, Miami, Ohio State, 02 yep. season, 03 Fiesta Bowl, probably that Rose Bowl, Vince Young, USC, 05. I think it's going to be right up there. I'm going to give the slight nod to Michigan. I got Okay. What did I say? I wrote it down and I, I lost the paper somewhere. I think it was like 3128. Okay. I so got basically Michigan the winning. exact, basically very similar. Just the, the team. Very split. similar. I very similar. And I just think the trenches and the team with a little better defense, I'm going to give them the edge, but I'll be honest with you. Washington could easily win and I wouldn't be shocked whatsoever. Yeah, like, look, this is our jobs. Like, we're supposed to make picks. We're supposed to create score predictions. In an honest moment, if you were to ask me, you know, who do you think is going to win? My answer would be like, I, I don't know. Like, I have no idea exactly. who's going to win this game. Exactly. I, I, I much prefer talking about a game after it's happened and I have facts and stats and film <laughs> rather than trying to figure out what's going to happen. Right. You know, I'm, I'm not uber great at that. I'm a big fan of Josh Pate, and I know he works for another network, but I'm going to throw his name out there. He does a great job. And here's why. And he owned it. And this is what I loved about it. He went 0-7 picking against Michigan and Washington this year. 0-7. But he owned it, which which is another reason I love him so much. So I want to thank you for joining me, my man. This was fun, and I look forward to a phenomenal national championship game on Monday night. Yeah, man, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. And, uh, man, uh, just all we want is storylines, right? Content is king in our business. Absolutely. Oh, I, I, there's going to be so much to talk about after Monday night, I'm sure. I'm excited. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this has been another Big Ten show. We'll see you next time. 
Are you looking for your next favorite podcast binge? Then look no further. Search for your team at www.believe.com, where you can find sports analysis from former pro athletes, scripted comedy shows, pop culture, health, and much more. That's B-L-E-A-V. And follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Believe Podcasts. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.